I'm Tori, and I'm from Carmichael, California, and what is it called? And Family Travel Radio is on the air. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Hey there, my friend. It's Aaron Schlein, and this is Family Travel Radio. Welcome to episode number 12. Family Travel Radio is going to be on location. So this episode is coming out on January the 21st. And later on this week, Family Travel Radio is going to be on location in New York City at the New York Times Travel Show. And if you can't make it there in person to the travel show, I'd love for you to follow us on social media, particularly Instagram. You can follow the Family Travel Association at FTA Discoveries. And you can follow me at Aaron Schlein. We are going to be pumping out some great pictures, some great content, and some live stream, all sorts of fun stuff from New York City just this coming uh, weekend. And we'll have that linked up in the show notes so you can go ahead and follow, follow the FTA and follow myself on Instagram and we can all have some fun. This episode is all about affordable family vacations. We at the FTA believe that life-changing family adventures don't have to break the bank. And we're here to say that that real adventure can happen every day, right there in your own hometown. Just make every day an adventure and your kids are going to love being where they are and they're going to love being with you. Uh, I invited Erin Kirkland to join me on this episode because she has a whole lot to say on this topic. We dive quite deep into affordable family vacations that don't forsake adventure or the meaningful experiences that you're after. All right, my friend, enjoy this episode. This is Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Enjoy. Today on Family Travel Radio, we're joined by Aaron Kirkland. Aaron is an author, a freelance writer, and Alaska's only family travel journalist. Her guidebook series titled Alaska On The Go is required reading for families exploring the 49th state with children. Her website, akonthego.com, has been the formative source for kid-friendly destinations and activities since it launched in 2008. Erin's commitment to Alaska's children and youth is evident in all her endeavors, most recently through her efforts to support literacy by the establishment of 15 read-on-the-fly bookshelves in Alaska's airports, giving kids the opportunity to pick up a free book instead of electronic devices. Erin and her family, her husband James and sons Owen and Matt, live, work, and play in Alaska's largest city of Anchorage. Erin Kirkland, welcome to Family Travel Radio. Well, thank you much, Erin. How are you? Doing fantastic down here in, uh, unfortunately, smoky Sacramento, California. This is November the 16th. We're recording this, and unfortunately, there are some uh, quite catastrophic fires going on in my home state, and we're socked in with smoke at the moment. Indeed, indeed. Well, our good thoughts down to California. That's certainly, certainly tragic. Yeah, certainly appreciate that. And Aaron, I've invited, I've invited Aaron Kirkland on today. We're talking about some of the the pressures that parents feel when it comes to family travel. The pressure to be extravagant. The pre- pressure to spend a lot of money in big grand gestures. And we want to talk about some of the alternatives to that because Aaron and I both know throughout the course of our lives that it extravagance is not required in transformative family travel. And we're going to talk about that in depth today. But first, Aaron, before we get started, 
tell me your story. How has travel impacted your life up there in the 49th state? Travel has always been part of my life. My mother was a flight attendant back in the 1950s and 60s. And so when she had us three kids and wasn't flying anymore, she would regale us with these stories of all the wonderful places she flew, one of which was between Seattle and um, many Alaska airports. So it was always kind of this place of mystery. So when I moved up here in... uh, Gosh, 2005, uh, I immediately, you know, checked out the airport because she had all these great stories of, of flying and exploring around the world. So it was pretty exciting. But my parents raised us with a, a big consciousness about getting to know other places, uh, not just around the world, but within our own state and our own region. I grew up down in Seattle. Um, and we were constantly uh, on the go, whether we were camping or taking a special family vacation. Nothing was really extravagant. It was just a way for all of us just to see something different. So we're trying to raise our sons the same way. Aaron, you said something to me in an offline conversation we have we had that really opened my eyes, and it had to do with the the negative connotations of quote unquote budget travel. Can you speak on that for a moment? I think in just hearing you say that and hearing your voice, uh, the tone of your voice shift a little bit, I think we, by society's doing, uh, and somewhat, you know, within the the, uh, capsule of media, we have somehow assigned the terms affordable, budget, savings as somewhat negative in nature. Now, whether some of that is real or imagined, uh, I'm not sure. But I know that many, many media outlets like to talk a lot about if you're watching your budget with your vacation plans or if you really want this to be affordable. Uh, I think we've, we've done a, a shift towards uh, budget travel, meaning something that is not necessarily going to be as positive an experience as, say, a $5,000 per person around the world adventure or maybe more than that. So I think what we need to do is start thinking about how we can shift that, uh, shift our mindset. You and I were talking about that, how we can shift how we phrase affordable and budget and come back to just meaningful. So talk to me about how you think we can overcome that pressure to, to be extravagant when it comes to, to that quote unquote budget travel. How do we shift that mindset? I think there's a couple ways, Aaron. I think Parents need to, number one, uh, stop this competition of where my family's going as opposed to where your family is going. Uh, we Social media has been uh, definitely not the great equalizer for anything, going from clothes to child rearing to now vacations. We love to post pictures of beautiful places. I'm guilty of that as anybody else. But I think we need to start right here at home where we're going is right for us and where you're going is right for you. And uh, there's not going to be any competition. I say that, right? But we all know. So I think starting there, but then also from a media perspective, I think that there's ways we in the media can do a better job of allowing ourselves to celebrate all of the destinations we write about or you know, video or do podcasts. Everywhere you go with a kid is going to have the potential to be a meaningful experience, whether you're going camping, which I think is 
pretty extravagant and exciting, especially with kids. They love that. Or going to Disney or going to a resort in Africa. It doesn't really matter. I think we just need to assign everything uh, a wonderful five stars because you're going as a family. And you mentioned time being the great equalizer. Absolutely. If you have a week in a national park with your kids, then that is absolutely a beautiful, wonderful, and powerful experience that is going to change the way your kids think about things. And and that, to me, has the highest kind of value, right? Absolutely. And I love that you said everywhere you go has impact. And the one thing that I kind of made me think about when you said that is that somehow as, as adults, we we discount the impact of certain places that to us might seem ordinary. And it really makes it feel more like a, I don't know if it's just ego and it might very well just be ego that, you know, we have to say, like you said earlier, just kind of show off the places that we've taken our kids as opposed, as opposed to looking at it through the lens of what can I do with my children? Where can I take them? What can I expose them to that will have the greatest impact really with no regard to how much money you spend or how great your Instagram feed's going to look during that trip. What do you think about that? Oh, oh, 100%, Erin. And I was just thinking as you were talking, you know, we don't have to spend any money. Uh, we just have to spend the time. I was uh, in remembering a trip we took with our son down to Alaska's capital city of Juneau, and we just walked around town. It was a beautiful day, which, you know, in Southeast Alaska, if you've ever been, you understand that it doesn't always look beautiful <laughs> weather-wise down there. So we walked, and he was pretty young, about five or six and he loved to see all the historical statues. He loved to watch the bald eagles flying around. He loved to watch the, the ships coming in and out. And we spent a good couple hours down there, and we didn't spend any money. So he that's what he remembers because he got to spend time with us. Whereas I think as adults, we're like, where should we, you know, we need to find something really great to do. We need to spend some money for an experience and the lens of, of kids is so simplistic and innocent that they will love being wherever you are if you love it too. Well, just knowing, Aaron, that as, as parents, our, our collective egos aren't going away and the collective desire to, to leave a legacy uh, with our kids isn't, isn't going away anytime soon. So kind of knowing that, how do we, how do we create a movement around just purely doing what's best for our kids when it comes to what we expose them to, as opposed to defeating our own egos or our own needs as parents. I think looking developmentally where your kids are, uh, especially during these formative school years, pick destinations that um, are nearer to where you live and look at the historical, cultural, even industrial significance. Here in Alaska, it's pretty cool because we have such a large swath of real estate to explore. Uh, and geographically we have, you know, temperate rainforest and then we have Arctic tundra, you know, at the other end, completely opposite end, but all both of those and everything in between have their own historical, cultural, especially within the Alaska native populations, uh, industrial and Southeast Alaska, it's all about the salmon and way up North by Barrow. It's all about the Inupiaq whaling and those traditions. And, and that's where you also start to meet people and for kids to meet other people who don't have a lifestyle like yours. I think that's incredibly powerful too. But, and that's when you're going to meet people is when you're just walking along the street or taking 
the local ferry boat or hiking a local trail where everybody goes or at the playground. That's a wonderful way to meet folks is at the playground. So we've made a real effort and our son, our youngest son is 14. Now we've made a real effort to go to places around where we live and just kind of observe what's happening. There's this certainly this push in the media to to promote these these grand adventures and these extravagant trips that in our minds at least as as adults these are the trips that are going to really change our kids lives when in actuality there's you know there's just as much if not more impact that can be had in your own backyard but going back to that media conversation is there anywhere you can point to that you would say is doing this doing a particularly good job of promoting the the transformation as opposed to the destination I would say the national park system um, and Alaska park trusts uh, and organizations like that do an exceptional job of getting families into the outdoors, which is a whole nother podcast we could do uh, about exploring the outdoor spaces uh, because it, it really brings kids into the nature element, but also the community that surrounds, you know, the national parks and our monuments and historic places. Um, And they are generally going to be spots where every family has uh, a place to be there. Everybody. It doesn't matter uh, your race, your economic demographic, um, you know, your family situation. Everybody is welcome here. And it's it offers a lot as far as activities and events. And I think everywhere in the United States and around the world, just about every nation has a system of parks and um, park systems where you can go and explore with your kids. Well, it's an interesting kind of social commentary and you're making me think, which I wish I love, you know, my mind just kind of racing with, you know, we visit national parks and most people we know have, or regularly do visit national parks, but it's almost, it does, that just doesn't, isn't the attention grabber as saying, you know, I took my kids to Europe or I took my kids to Africa. And it just, it's, it's, it's interesting because maybe it's for that exact reason you described that it is so accessible and that anyone can do it, that it's almost, you know, ho-hum relative to, you know, this big grand gesture of taking your kid on an around the world cruise or whatever. And it's just, it really speaks just to the mindset of, of parents that I'm not exactly sure what it says. You know, I've got to just kind of do some more, more thinking on it. Just, you know, is it how much of the travel we do is for us as parents to to make us feel good about how we're raising our kids as opposed to the actual transformations that we're producing in our children, which is this the the said desire. That's what we say we're doing, but in reality, are we really just feeding our own ego and our own desires? I'm not sure the answer to that question. It's sort of fairly open-ended. I'm not either, but that's uh, that's somebody should come up with a college class on this, maybe a research analyzing kind of space because you're absolutely right. And again, you know, it's human nature. We, we want to like to think we are taking, exposing our kids to transformational experiences because we're going overseas or we're going to Antarctica or anywhere. And, and don't get me wrong. These destinations, I mean, they're not, you know, I would never say don't take your kids there. Of, of course, of course you should. Yeah, of, of course you should. But I think there's, there's a place where families feel that if they don't put take their kids to these experiences, that they somehow failed them as, as far as travel and tourism and exploring the world. And I don't ever want a, a family to or parents to feel like they have 
they have not given their kids everything if they couldn't take them on a particular destination. And I guess going back to where we in the media can help is if we work with DMOs and companies and, you know, because we get emails all the time. I'm sure you do. You know, wouldn't you love to promote this amazing experience in Portugal? So that, you know, maybe, maybe welcoming more the local parks, the local DMOs, the historical societies and, and things like that and encourage them to develop something that's going to be kid friendly or writing about ways that, that we can provide parents with activities in some of these spaces. Um, I think there's definitely room for everybody, but we want to help families feel empowered, not ashamed. Yeah. Empowered, not ashamed. That's, that's, that's a great way to put it and to sum it up in, in very, very brief words. So we're going to keep this, this conversation going, Aaron, kind of over the course of months and years, cause it, cause it's fascinating. And if you just keep our eyes on the prize and use that, use the, use the transformation really as the North star, that's the, the desired outcome where, and then just insert kind of the destination or the activity that, that, that feeds into that transformation as opposed to, to the other way around choosing the destination based on, some outside influences. And then it's assuming that the transformation is going to come. And then we look like great parents because we took our kids to this, this incredible place that most parents either can't afford or don't have the, you know, the, yeah. the guts to take their kids to, you know, it's all very superficial in that regard. But I'm also with you that it doesn't, shouldn't preclude people from taking their kids to amazing places. I don't want to, to be misunderstood here. That's, that's certainly not the point at all, but just really thinking about the transformations that can occur in kids and they don't always require in fact, they rarely require grand gestures and just being with them, being there with them is, is a huge, huge part of that. Yep. So Aaron, let's shift the conversation. You're talking about exploring, you know, local places and local initiatives. You, you and I spoke again offline about kids, particularly in the state of Alaska, not having any exposure or never having visited the, the capital city of the state they live in. This applies to, to the United States, of course. But uh, talk to me about your, your desire for kids in Alaska to visit Juneau, your state capital? So Juneau, so I live in Anchorage, which is South Central Alaska. Uh, Juneau is about a thousand miles away. So South, thereabouts is the crow flies. So getting there, it is one of only two uh, U.S. capitals that is not accessible by road, the other being Hawaii. So you have to fly in an airplane or you have to take a ferry, a very long ferry ride. How long are we talking? Oh, days. Days. <laughs> okay. Days. Yes. I, it's a wonderful trip. It's uh, that's my second book was all about traveling the Alaska Marine Highway with kids. And I would highly recommend it. It's our favorite way to get places, but it's time. So everyone hops aboard Alaska Airlines, which is the major air carrier here. And I a lot of parents feel, because I did a short survey on uh, the AK on the Go Facebook page not too long ago and said, well, how come you haven't been to Juno, parents? And I said, it's just too expensive. If I'm going to spend $1,000 a person on airfare, I'm going to go somewhere else. So children in Alaska, outside of the kids in Juno and, and the communities near and around it, uh, kids don't get to really get a hands and foot based understanding of how their state government works. So I, I really started thinking about how, how we could get more kids and families down to Juneau. And it's, I'm running into, you know, a few roadblocks because a, the parents have just put it out of their minds. 
Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see over the next couple of years if I can formulate some sort of plan to uh, get more kids to visit their capital city. Well, it's a great initiative, and, and you just hit on hit on a, a key point. Just you said that it's out of their minds. Well, if what you can do is put it in their minds, that's right. that's when things start to grow, and you know you plant the seeds, and then they start to grow, and the word starts to spread. If there's anybody that can get the word out, certainly it's Aaron Kirkland because you, you you tend to make things happen up there and uh, right. up in right Alaska. Just and, and another example of this again, we're going to kind of move on to a, a bit of a tangent, but I think it's relevant to just to show what can be done when you have a great idea and are willing to put put yourself out there to make it happen. And we mentioned this in the intro. It's your your read on the fly program, which is currently exists in 15 of Alaska's airports. Let's just talk about that for a minute. Tell us about read on the fly. Oh, I was raised by uh, by readers. My parents were very adamant that books were going to help their kids change the world someday. So we uh, grew up reading and reading and reading. I love books. I love where they can take you, uh, whether physically or literally, right? So mm-hmm. Read on the Fly was started two summers ago when I was clearing out my own son's bookshelves and wanted to give some books to kids, but I didn't want to donate them to the local thrift store because I don't know if you've been in a thrift store lately, but they have books up the yin yang. So I asked Alaska airlines if maybe I could just throw a box of them at one of the gate areas, but you know, security is a little rough. So you you can't really leave boxes full of anything. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine. Yes. So they said, well, wait a minute here. Let's get together at the airport and see if we can maybe get some bookshelves built. So in 2016, here at the uh, Anchorage Airport, which is the largest in the state, so it worked out great, we have four bookshelves, and now we have six uh, here in Anchorage. And then, you know, as soon as we launched those and people found out, oh my gosh, my kids can sit here and read instead of picking up their, you know, iPods and and, uh, tablets and watching movies on your parents' phone, which most of them do they can grab a book instead. And so all the books are donated. We have a lot of local support here uh, from the community and from bookstores, libraries, a lot of teachers have given us books. So now we are in um, seven different airports. Eight, uh, the eighth one is going to be happening probably in early in 2019 and 15 shelves. So it's rural Alaska. It's here in Anchorage. It's down in the very popular Southeast area. So kids are grabbing books. Uh, I was just at the uh, Anchorage airport this morning, counting books for an end of year report. And I think we've distributed something like 15,000 so far. So it's pretty amazing to watch something like this grow so organically. And it's, it's amazing to watch kids when I wheel up with a little wagon to fill them up. Um, they love it. And they didn't, again, they didn't even realize that it was something they, they missed, you know? So, uh, looking through books that are all at your disposal is just an amazing concept to them and the parents love it. So it's, it's been really, really fun. I can imagine. And it's just, it's unique. You're in a unique place in the world where so many folks rely on, on air transportation just, just to get around and conduct their everyday lives. That's down here in California. If you're, if you commute to work on an airplane, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're doing okay. 
and you probably can afford yeah. your own books, but in Alaska, it's, 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 it's a different, it's a different way of life. And I appreciate you shedding some light on that. Cause it's, it's really, really cool. Are you, so to expand the program, are you accepting donations? Can folks send in books? What's the story? Uh, we're always accepting donations. Uh, we definitely, if people are outside of Alaska, it gets a little trickier. We're actually working, uh, with some couple companies that we met at the Family Travel Association Summit this past fall. So we're working on a way maybe to expedite uh, out-of-state donations to to the home office here in Anchorage. Um, but the big thing is just getting the word out, is just letting people know that there is a program like this. Um, we're not an entity. It's just something that a couple friends and I do together every Friday. We go to the office and tag books with stickers and load up bookshelves in Anchorage and cross our fingers that kids are going to read. And they are. Well, I talked earlier about creating a movement around different types of family travel. And you've certainly created a movement here with read on the fly. And I love it. Like you said, it's not an entity, it's not a business, it's just a thing. And it sort of grew yeah. out of my, an idea. And to me, that's just encapsulates just the the power of what we can, we can accomplish when we see a need, we see a value and we put ourselves out there and, and put in the work and show up every day, the way you're showing up for the folks up there in our beautiful 49th state. Aaron Kirkland, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. And of course, my friends out there in podcast land, you can find Aaron Kirkland on her blog at akonthego.com. That's just the way it sounds. The letters AK, then on the go.com. Aaron Kirkland, thank you so much for taking the time today on Family Travel Radio. Thanks a lot, Aaron. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Aaron Kirkland as much as I did. Want to give a special shout out and a thank you to our guest announcer for this episode. Her name is Tori and she is from Carmichael, California, and she provided the wonderful intro for this episode. Thanks so much, Tori. And a huge announcement here right here at the end of this episode. And that announcement is that starting next week, Family Travel Radio is going to a weekly format. Yes, my friend, up until this point, we have been releasing new episodes every other week. And starting next week with episode 13, Family Travel Radio is going to be a weekly podcast. Really looking forward to that. It's going to be a great year here, 2019. Tons of great content coming your way, and I'm really looking forward to it. This is Aaron Schlein, my friend. I'm signing off for now. I will see you next week. Next week.